0: Podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Good morning. Great to see you this morning. It's great to be worshipping together on this uh, wet. Sunday morning here in Melbourne. Good morning to everyone who's online as part of our stream. It's great to be worshiping with you today. James is our host today, so make sure you do jump on and say hi to one another. And if you want to pray with someone, our prayer team is standing by to connect with you. So text the number on the screen anytime through this morning's service. Well, as we have gone through this series, Life Together, I feel like Peter, the author of this letter, has become really familiar. And uh, I feel like that if I was to give him a nickname uh, from what we've read of him, I'd call him Practical Peter, because everything that Peter writes about is just so practical. It's just so clear and simple and easy to understand. And uh, at what the Scriptures I'm going to read today is just another example of Practical Peter at his best, just making it easy to understand. If you're looking for someone in the Scriptures who just makes it easy he doesn't get caught up in these big, complex, crazy ideas that you have to read eight times over to make sense of what he's saying. Just read Peter's letters. They're simple, they're easy, and they're so clear. He just gives us straight advice on what to do. And the scripture I want to read today is the last part of the main body of what Peter's been talking about over the last few weeks. Chapters 2, 3, and 4 are the key ideas of this five-chapter letter. and I just want to read you the landing of this part. There's still a, a little bit more to come over the next few weeks, but this is the landing of Peter's key ideas. Some great practical advice for you and I to live by as we go about our lives this week. So from chapter 4, I just want to read a few verses from, uh, chapters, from verse 7 to 11 together uh, this morning. From verse 7, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Simple, simple, easy to understand, basic instructions from Peter. I love it. It's so clear. It's so easy to understand. What should you do in your life this week? Peter says, well, pray, love deeply. Offer hospitality to others and don't grumble. Why would you complain about offering hospitality? Some people in hospitality jobs need to remember that, don't they? They're there to serve people and they complain all the time about the customers. Peter says, why would you do that? Just offer hospitality and don't grumble. And whatever gift you've got, use it to serve others. Don't worry if it's not the most attractive gift, if it's not as good as... Don't worry about all of that nonsense. Just use it to serve people so that, whether in word or deed Whatever you do, God would be known. It's so good. It's so clear. It's so simple. I kind of feel like, what more can I say? I've got nothing to talk about. Just go do that, and then everything will be fine. But it's just as I sit with these verses, there's a problem. I don't know if you picked up on it at all, whether they cause you some problems, these verses, but something in this kind of grates at me a little bit. Because as I read these verses, I remember something that Jesus said in his great sermon on the mount in Matthew 5. All these great teachings, things that Jesus says that you would probably know him by. And one of the things that Jesus said in this message was in, in, in uh, Matthew 5, verse 43. He said, you have heard it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then Peter says, love each other, offer hospitality to each other. Not the world, not your enemies, not everyone else there, but Peter actually draws it back to just each other, just in your church. Just love each other. He doesn't comment about anyone else, just each other. And just offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Peter's kind of retracting away from the words of Jesus. What's going on? Is he going weak at the knees here in these, in these verses? You know, to a church who is, whose enemies are actually trying to get them, are actually trying to kill them, who are suffering persecution, is Peter thinking, well, love your enemies, that's, that's good, but it's a bit rich for the, these churches. Can I really ask them to actually love their enemies, or is that a step too far for these poor people whose lives are on the line? What's going on here? Peter seems to be stepping back from what Jesus said and coming up with his own definition, his own ideas about what we should do as the followers of Jesus. Make no mistake, I'm not like reading into this and making this up and maybe Peter doesn't mean what he, what he says because we can actually track his language through these verses. He says very clearly, love each other, internal, serve each other, internal, then... Let your gifts serve others external. Peter is intentionally exclusive. He's intentionally internally focused here when he speaks about love. He's choosing to do this. And we could we could run past that and say, well, he gets to the serve others and, and, and the bigger picture. So you know it's all good in the end. Let's don't 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 open the can of worms. That's just a that's a problem for us. But I actually think practical Peter wants us to sit in the tension for just a few minutes and consider why he's instructing us to love each other. So let's sit there for a minute. Because we live in a world that gets it, that loves the teachings of Jesus about loving our enemies. It makes sense. You know, We every uh, musician who's worth their salt will sing a song at some point about how the world's problems will be solved if we just love our enemies, You know, love is the answer. Love is all you need, the Beatles would sing. Uh, Where is the love, the Black Eyed Peas would sing. Everybody sings about love. If we just love one another, the world will be full of peace. Our problems will be solved. Everything will be fixed. Love is the answer. And to that, I would say, amen, absolutely. With Jesus, I would say, if we could just love our enemies, the world would be a better place. And so much of our problems would disappear overnight. Loving our enemies is the answer problem is, not with loving our enemies and and, and our inability to do that, the problem is it's really hard to love those who we love. Loving our enemies is great, but it's really hard to actually love those who I'm meant to already Love. Let's just play with this for a second. Come with me. Let's just do a little audit on our social jokes and the comments that we make as we go through life. And let's just do a stock take on how we speak about something like family in our day-to-day lives. What are the kind of jokes and things that we often say about our mother-in-law, for example? positive. Yeah, we always speak it up, our mother-in-law. Often we're kind of commenting, oh, my mother-in-law's on my back. Why won't she leave us alone? You know, our mother-in-law's cop a fair whack in how we talk about them. Or what about within marriage? You know, husbands often say, oh, the missus, she's on my back, nagging me. Just got to keep her happy and do what she wants me to do. Or wives might say about their husbands, oh, he's pathetic. He can't even do any dishes. He's hopeless. He's no good. And then we get to school holidays and what do parents always talk about in school holidays? When will the kids go back to school? What kind of torture is this that they would send them home with me for two weeks? Why would they do this to us? It's a bit harsh on school holidays, I know. There's a few of you that are giving me some barbs right now with your, with your eyes. It's tough. <laughs> and you might say, come on, Lance, lighten up. You're, just, you're a bit stiff up there, mate. They're just jokes. Stop being a wet blanket and relax. It's a bit of harmless fun. It's just a bit of banter. There's nothing meant by it. And you're right, I, I agree. It's just jokes. It's nothing meant by it. There's nothing too significant or harmful about some, you know, friendly banter amongst the family. It's just, you know, when we look at marriage in our country, and tragically, one in two marriages end in Divorce. It's hard to love those who you're meant to love. And the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that comes, it's hard to love those who we say that we love. Or we get into the tragic, painful conversation around violence within families. One in three women become the victim of violence from a loved person in their life. Poor painful. You know, it's hard to love those who we love. It's actually difficult to actually love the people that we love. You know, if if we spend any time, you and me, if we just got one-on-one and started chatting together for, for a little bit of time, I reckon we would uncover a story that you carry a wound. We each carry wounds, actually, that we've received from the people that we love and those that love us. You know, an argument, an offhanded comment, something that was said deliberately or unintentionally, whatever it was, you know, you'll know, you never be good enough, you won't amount to anything, you, you always get that wrong, you always mess that up, the world would be better or things would be better if you just stopped doing that. And, and for whatever reason, it stuck and it hurt and we carry it still from the people that we love. And really confrontingly, we swap that around and and to be honest, we have to confess that We ourselves, I myself, have hurt those that I love. With an offhanded comment, maybe I meant it, maybe I I didn't. But something that wounded and, and hurt them. Man, it's hard to love those who we love. It's hard to actually love those who, who we are meant to love and to care for and to look after in our lives. See, the problem that we've got, we've got is not that we should love our enemies. It's that we trip on the first hurdle and we struggle to love those who we already love, to actually live in love towards one another. And this is what Peter is pushing us towards here in these verses. He's not going weak at the knees. He's actually guiding us towards the path towards loving our enemies, what it actually looks like to really love one another. You know, if you want to achieve mastery in something, become elite, become the best of the best that there is in a particular field, what do you do? You don't just tell people that you're the best. Some people do, but that doesn't actually make them the best. They're just living in their own head. If you actually want to be the best, if you actually want to achieve mastery, what do you do? Well, you start at the basics. You go to the gym, And you start lifting light weights, you go to the classroom and you start learning, you open the books and you start studying, you do a lot of stuff where no one pats you on the back, no one is there celebrating you and you look the same as anybody else. But as you do this again and again and again, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, gradually and slowly improving and getting better in your particular area, something begins to change. And it often takes a lot longer than you think that it should. It's often a lot harder. The path is often more winding than it's meant to be. But eventually, after decades and decades of working at this one thing, you start to achieve mastery. You start to become elite. You start to separate yourself from what's normal in this particular field. And you step above most other people. It doesn't happen because you say you're elite or a master in this area. It happens because you work at it. You go to the gym, you study, you read books, you keep working and working at it. And we need to be a people as the followers of Jesus who don't just say we love our enemies, but who go to the gym, who get in the classroom, who study hard the books and practice and understand and learn what it means to really love one another, to really love people. Because simply saying it doesn't achieve love. (laughs) We've actually got to achieve mastery. It's going to take a lot of work and intentional effort. And Peter says it starts with each other. It starts not in the distant person that I don't know, that love my enemies, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. No, it starts with loving those who are meant to love. And so Peter says, love covers over a multitude of sins in these t- tight, close-knit relationships. What does it even mean? Love covers over a multitude of sins. Does it mean that my sins are forgiven because I love you? Or does it mean your sins are forgiven because I love you? Which is kind of vice versa, or are we both forgiven because we we love each other? What does it actually mean? And I reckon there's a whole mother message here that I decided not to bring out today. We could talk about that another time. And I think the truth is somewhere within, well, it's kind of all of those things. Yes, is probably the answer to your question. But what Peter is really pushing us to understand is that as I experience love in close, tight relationships, as we love as Jesus first loved us. It says in the in, in, um, book of 1 John, we love because Christ first loved us. We then experience what, life, what love is actually like. When I'm close to you and I love you and I, and I hurt you, something happens then. When I receive forgiveness from you for the things that I did that, that hurt you, if I'm actually serving you in love, I don't want to keep doing that to you. I don't want to keep wounding you if if, if I love you. And when I receive forgiveness from you, that changes me. Something of transformation starts to take hold within me. And in the same way, when you hurt me and we're in a loving relationship, I don't want to do that back to you. I don't want you to feel what I just felt. And so not only do I forgive you, but I become changed because I don't want to live in that sort of way towards you back. And as we track together in a close-knit, loving relationship with the Spirit of God present, something of transformation takes hold between us. We begin to be changed as we experience what it's like to forgive and be forgiven, to actually not sweat the small stuff and to say, you know what, that hurt, but I love you, I forgive you, I'm not going to hold on to that. That experience changes us. It renews us. We actually become more like Jesus in those relationships, and something of the work of the Spirit takes hold within us. And as we do that well in these close-knit, tight relationships, a profound thing happens. When I leave that relationship, I'm still changed over here. It's not about pretending and just acting in a certain way with you to make you happy over here. No, I'm actually being transformed and changed by the loving relationship that we have here, by forgiving and being forgiven and saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I need to do some hard work here to actually see renewal happen in my life. When I leave, I carry that with me over here and other people begin to become the benefactors of the change that's happening whatever gift that I have there that's serving and blessing you actually becomes a gift to serve and bless others out here. Peter is not calling us to an internally focused loving relationship to forget the rest of the world and forget our enemies and go weak at the knees and just make it easy. No, what he's saying is if you're actually going to love your enemies and be a blessing and a benefit to them over here, you've got to start in the gym. Start where it's hard. Start in the relationships where you're actually meant to love one another. Be transformed and changed in that place. And then as you go as a changed and transformed person, you actually begin to love, to serve, and to be a blessing to others. And he says, whether in word or deed, it doesn't matter what your giftings are. As you lean on God in this place, people will see who he is. They will notice him. They will see the transformation and the change that's taking hold of your life, and they will praise God. They will see Jesus through that. Loving our enemies is the call, but it starts with the radical decision to actually love those who i meant to love. And this is what Peter saw in Jesus. Remember, this is Peter writing who looked Jesus in the eyes and walked with him and spoke with him and saw him. This is what he saw Jesus actually do in his life. He saw them spit and beat and abuse Jesus and hang him on a cross. And then they saw Jesus speak on behalf of his enemies, speak to his enemies and say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. He saw the way Jesus loved his enemies, but he saw it didn't just start there. It wasn't just encapsulated in how Jesus treated those who were against him on on the cross. It actually started way back with the way Jesus treated Peter. With the love and the care and the time and the gentleness and the challenge. The way Jesus loved his disciples, those he was meant to love. The way that he washed their feet, cared for them. Even knowing that they would abandon him and walk away from him, he still loved and cared and served those who were closest to him. This is what Peter saw in Jesus: no grumbling that the master had to serve, no grumbling that the people who was washing their feet would abandon him in just a matter of, of days and leave him. But a pursuit, a desire to serve. This is what Peter saw in Jesus, and this is what he calls his followers, to live out, his church to live out, to, yes, call for a love of our enemies, to seek that and to understand that that will cost and that will mean a lot, but to start with loving those who are meant to love, to love our church, to love our family, to love those who we're deeply committed to and, and, and those who are deeply committed to us and to experience what it looks like to be transformed and changed in these places. So friends, what will it be? What will it be for you? What's the gym? What's the classroom? What's the books that you've got to study? Who is it that you need to actually track with? was a time for you to pull up the sleeves and jump in and start serving some people in, in, in some way without grumbling, without whinging, to put away, you know, I did it back in 1992 and people didn't thank me and they weren't very kind. It's a time to just put that all behind you. Roll up your sleeves and just start serving without grumbling. Just give something, just some little piece to somebody. Just start caring for your church, for your believers, for those who are around you. Or maybe it's time to join a group, some committed relationships to serve and, and be, there, be there for the blessing of some other followers of Jesus, to see them fly in their faith, to see them grow and strengthen and become all that God is calling them to be, and to receive love from them. You know, this is good what we do right now. This is fantastic. It is great to gather and to worship, but it is very easy to come here, sing songs, feel good, hear a good message, self-rating, I know, (laughs) and then to go home and feel good. But where your faith will really grow, where you'll grow to actually learn to love your enemies will be in a tight-knit, close, committed relationship with other followers Knowing the people who you are committed to serving their faith and knowing that they will love you and forgive you and actually challenge you and get into the places where it's hard to love you and there help you become all that God is leading you to be. Maybe it's time to serve. Maybe it's time to join a group. If that's you, there's a bunch of groups. There's a bunch of service opportunities here in this church. There's many places you could do it, but there's a bunch of you can jump on our website, Do forward slash next, and there's some buttons there. It'll make it so easy for you to connect in with some groups or for some opportunities to serve. Or maybe for you, it's time to just love your family. You know, enough of the garbage, enough of the whinging and whining, enough of the dysfunctional behaviours that you know actually hurt them. It's time to just start again. It's hard to love those who we love. It's actually a challenge. But unless we start here, We're just an empty voice of hot air talking about loving our enemies and doing absolutely nothing about it. It starts with loving those who we're meant to love and seeing the work of the Spirit of God transform us there. It's just that simple. It's just that clear. Friends, let's pray together. God, we're going to need your help We're going to need you to lead us, to fill us with your grace, to help us to understand, Jesus, what love looks like. We can only love because you first loved us. And Jesus, you give us this grand call to love our enemies, and and Peter reminds us today that that's all Good, but it starts with loving those who we actually already love and actually caring for them and actually serving them and actually looking after them and actually not grumbling when it's hard. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would do a profound work in us right now. Some of us here carry great hurt within our families. We actually need to receive from you the, the grace and the ability and the love to love our families. It's actually really, really hard. And so, Lord, we just just offer our hearts and our lives to you. For those of us that this feels like an impossibility, Lord, may your peace, may your love, may your grace reign on them. We ourselves are an impossibility to love, and yet, Jesus, you, you showed us your love on the cross. You showed us that you love us even in the impossible moments. So may you help us to do the same. Where some of us here right now just need to receive afresh again that work of the Spirit in our lives. We need to receive and experience what it's like to be forgiven, to allow that truth to lead us once more, And so Jesus, we just open our lives to you. We thank you that your love is so profound. You would give your life up for me, for us. And that we would know of your love because of that act. So Father, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace offered to us from the cross and and proven to us by you rising again. May we walk in your footsteps. May we follow in your ways. May we truly become a people who lead this world in understanding what it's like to love our enemies. And may we do it because we love profoundly those who are close. Father, in this moment of worship, as we sing to you, as we open our hearts to you, as we pray, as we receive from you, may you do a mighty work. May the spirit of the living God be moving in our hearts, moving in our lives, leading us and helping us. We know this week, God, there will be challenge, The love will cost And yet right now in this moment, Father, we just want to say we're up for it. We want to become elite in this space. We need to become elite. We need to love like how You loved us. So Father, in this moment of worship, do what only You can do. Heal the places that are hurt. Bring transformation and, and life into the places that we thought were dead. Give us hope, give us life once more and lead us, we pray, Jesus, in Your most powerful, wonderful and loving Name. Amen, friends. Let's stand and let's worship Him together.